0: We're going to read verses 25 through 34. Again, the title of today's message is the most important days in our lives. The three most important days in our lives. Once you have your place, if you please stand to your feet. By the way, a lot of times my wife won't sing with me because she said we didn't practice and we should practice. Today I give her that I should have practiced and at least figured out what key that song was in because that was not the right one. But to be quite honest with you, I remember sitting at the doctor's office in August asking whether my voice would come back to where it used to be. And I remember praying, Lord, if all I can do is preach, I'll be fine with that. If I never get to sing again, that'll be okay. If I could just preach, I'll be, I'll be okay. And my preaching voice came, I sounded like the Godfather, but that come back. And the doctor assured me that it would come back. But when I finally got to that place in my heart where I'm like, Lord, we've been through so much. I'm not going to start doubting you now. That your will is perfect. That all things work toward good for those who love the Lord. Even when it don't taste good, it don't feel good, and all it seems to bring is pain. Still, we'll trust you. And I hope you can say that today. If not, I hope you don't leave here without getting it right, so that you could say it too. Because it's not easy. I read a a, 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 um, a quote, and so I passed it on to my preacher buddies, which is Brother Kevin and Brother Dave. And it was about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a pastor during World War II. That was ultimately. Um, Executed by the Nazis. He was a theologian, a martyr, and a spy that he worked to help the the good guys. And he was asked in 1943 how was it possible for the church to sit back and let Hitler seize absolute power? His firm answer it was the teaching of cheap grace. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline. Communion without confession. Absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross. And grace without Jesus Christ. We live in a time and a culture that not only teaches cheap grace, but praises it. And many get rich. On the last dime of others who would give everything to have a day of healing. Or a day without pain, when in simple fact is, is that's what heaven's going to be. But I found that what God doesn't take us from, he'll take us through. And that pain is a natural occurrence of life. And nowhere in the scriptures did he ever promise that we wouldn't have it, we wouldn't experience it but that we have a hope that is anchored in Jesus Christ. That in Him, we can still shout. With Him, we can still praise. Because this is not the end of the story. Let's look at God's word this morning. Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 25. It says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body and what you will put it on it. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Yet look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient, for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and Lord, we just thank you for this day that you've given us. Lord, this day we have to be able to gather in your name under the promise that you gave us, Lord, that if we gather in your name that you would be here. And Father, we're thankful, Lord, for your presence. Father, we ask you, Lord, that you would help us, Lord, to prepare our hearts, Lord, to receive your word. Lord, we know that your word will not return void. It will accomplish what it is set out to do. And so, Father, we stand upon that promise today, knowing, uh, Lord, that your Holy Spirit and your word will do its work. But, Father, we pray that you use us, Lord, in a way that we, not in a way that we would receive glory, but in a way, Lord, that would lift you up. Lord, that would not only lift you up, but it would draw all to you. Lord, if there's someone here who hasn't Lord who hasn't yet made the commitment to call you, Lord, Father, I pray today, Lord will be the day that they see. The Lord, a, a day without you is another day of hopelessness. Another day of something not quite being right. Another day of just having what seems like everything, but still yet feeling like there is nothing. Lord, we pray this today in the name of your beautiful son, Jesus. Amen. Y'all can be seated. So, today we want to cover the three most important days. We've already told you what they are yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And really all three of them are addressed in this passage in some form or fashion. But those are the three days we always mention every day, isn't it? Sometimes we'll mention, we'll call a day by its proper name. I'm going to do something on Tuesday or or Wednesday, but it's always typically we're talking about what's going to happen tomorrow, what's going on today, and we're also reliving something that happened yesterday or talking about the effects of something that happened yesterday. And so these are three days that we talk about every day of our life. And so we want to look at each one of these days and talk about what it represents and how we are affected by them. Because each one has a profound effect. Who of us here is not affected by something that happened yesterday? There's always a yesterday. Now, it may have not been exactly yesterday, Saturday, but yesterday, something that happened before. Yesterday represents, well, Saturday and all the other days that came before it. When we think about things and we go into our memory bank, we're thinking about yesterday. A time frame that has already passed. And something that in that past that has affected us greatly and deeply. We all have a yesterday that we can remember very vividly in our mind, or maybe many of them. Sometimes it's our childhood. Sometimes it's a major event. Sometimes it's a loss. Sometimes it's even a gain. But the simple fact is, is that we're all affected by yesterday to some degree. You see, yesterday can be full of regret and discouragement that lingers long on through today and will also be waiting for us tomorrow. It's that regret of things that weren't done or maybe a regret of something that was done. A regret of maybe of, of not saying something that you wanted to say or maybe a regret of saying something you shouldn't have said. The fact is we all have yesterdays that follow us around every day. It wasn't too long ago I was watching a movie and all of a sudden I, I remembered going and seeing that movie in the theater. Remember when we used to do that without a mask? Boy, that was great, wasn't it? Back when you could see people's faces when you walked in? Remember those days? That was yesterday. Boy, a lot has changed this year, hasn't it? In so many ways. But I was thinking about a, I was thinking about a time that I went to go see that movie in the theater with a bunch of my friends. And I hate to tell you is that I, I think back on that time and I think what uh, 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 just a knucklehead I was. I was a knucklehead because I remember that day being in that theater and I remember being just bored out of my mind about the movie and so I became one of those obnoxious people that commented on each scene. You know, during the movie? You ever had those people? I was that. Every time I say something, I'd be like the person watching a magic trick and say, it's behind his back. (laughs) It's over there. I was that kind of guy sometimes. Not all the time, but occasionally. When I got bored, well, my mom used to say, I don't mind. This is a devil's workshop. You ever heard that before? Mine was a devil's workshop regardless of whether it was idle idol or not. But I remember being in a the theater, and I remember just acting like a complete jerk. And my friend's like, would you shut up? I'm like, this movie stinks. And I remember somebody from the back, would you shut up up there? And I stood up in the middle of the movie and said, come on. I wanted some kind of action. This movie was void of action. So I proposed that we have action. I'm trying to say that because I see kids staring at me. I'm like, come on, we can make this more interesting. I said something like that, but different. Way different. With that all, Well, luckily the person didn't take me up on it, and the movie was still boring. But I remember that day with such regret. I thought, what an idiot I was. You ever have one of those days? One of those days that follows you around and just can't ever seem to shake off. There are others, but that was one that kind of came to my mind the other day. But if we're not careful, the devil will do just what I just did here. The devil will remind us of those things that we've done, those things that we know. Those things that, we, that, that he knows will, will get under our skin. By the way, I want you to realize that Satan does not have the power that God has. Satan is not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. But he's a master planner and he's a master observer. We, we give up ourselves in so many ways. The things that we say, the things that we do. We give the devil his ammunition that he needs to fight us. Do you realize that? You see, the fact is, he can't get in my head. He doesn't know my thoughts like God knows my thoughts because he doesn't have the power that God has. A lot of times people think of Satan in such a way as if he's this this equal foe of God, and he's not. He does not have the attributes that God has. He's not omnipotent. He isn't all-powerful. He's not omniscient. He doesn't know all. He's not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere. But yet we seem to almost assign him that kind of qualities at times. But you and I, listen, we live in such a way that all you got to do is watch watch each other for a little bit, and you'll be able to tell what's going on. And Satan does that. Him and his minions, they watch us. They know our tendencies. And listen, it's not hard to read us like a book. And so the devil knows those things that we live in regret with because we often talk of those things at some point or another and he listens and he makes notes. And maybe the devil takes you back to a time where you have done something in yesterday. Maybe he takes you back to a time to regret the things that you wish you had done differently. Not that you would change your life now, but still yet, knowing that That those are things that you wish you wouldn't have said or things you wish you had done. You wish you had done it so much differently and that you would feel better about yourself had those things gone different. Well, listen, today is something that you need to hear. You need to let go of yesterday. Why? Because God has. You see, we must realize today that if we've repented, then that thing is gone. I've long repented of that day and that person that I was back then. I've long repented of the of the ignorance that I lived in and and the ignorant things that I did and the things that I said and the times that I provoked people. I have long repented of that, but yet Satan keeps bringing it back up and then I keep reliving it in my mind. And I want you to realize today, just like I need to also take my own advice and remember that what is yesterday is yesterday and we need to leave it there. Amen. You see the scripture tells us in Psalms 103.12 you've heard me quote this psalm over and over again but it says as far as the east is from the west so far does he remove our transgressions from us what is it that you're carrying around what weight have you got strapped to you or chained to your leg like an eight ball that you're dragging around all of us have a yesterday that we need to let go of in Jeremiah 31 Verse 34, it says, And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each one of his brothers, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. You see, a lot of times what the devil is bringing up to us and trying to get us to live in yesteryear, He's bringing up to try to, to get us down, to start thinking differently about ourselves and to remember the, who we were. Listen, God already knew we were like that. God already knew. The Scripture tells us, for all have sinned and gone astray. All of our righteousness is filthy rags. We're not hiding anything from God. And when yesteryear comes up or yesterday comes up, he already knew about that. Listen, but when you ask God to forgive you, it is done and it is gone. It says that he remembers it no more. So who are we to be historians? Yet you and I all have a history degree. Some of us have a doctorate. Not only do we remember ours, but some people like to remind people of theirs. If you're a historian, let me give you two words that will give you some great advice that you ought to heed. Shut up. (laughs) Amen? They didn't teach me that at college, by the way. That was not in the course. By the way, I did pass homiletic with an A. doesn't mean anything. Shut up. Quit reminding each other of these things. A lot, well, this is, oh, <clears throat> Step over here so I don't get struck. Boy, it's worse in our houses, isn't it? What? You know, every message we do, we're going to turn on the house some way or form or fashion, right? In our marriage, we become historians. I think I got two PhDs and Sal's got three. Now listen, we finally laid those titles down, by the way, because we could remind each other all day long of the things that we've done wrong to each other. Country music makes a living reminding ourselves, well, hey, why don't you play another, somebody done somebody wrong song, right? Listen, we need to, we need to stop that stuff. We need to quit living in yesterday. Yesterday's gone. Yesterday has already passed, so why are we dragging it around? If we have indeed put it under the blood, then the Scripture assures us that He separates us from our sin as far as the east is from the west, and He told the prophet Jeremiah, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember it no more. By the way, have you ever realized that you don't quite have the good of memories you thought you did anyway? You ever listen to your parent tell a story and you're not for sure if he was there or not, even though you was in the story? I don't remember it like that. My dad will tell me a story. You remember this? And I'm like, I remember being home. I don't remember that. Or we'll start to, I'll start telling the story. I remember this time a dad's like, yeah. And then he jumps in and he tells a whole different version of it to the point that I don't know which one of us is right. Because the older I get, the more I realize it don't quite go like that. You ever thought you knew a movie line real well, then you played a movie, I can't wait to watch this movie, like you know every line and you got them all wrong? Like, what did I watch? I want to watch a different version of that. It's weird how our memories don't serve us very well sometimes, do they? So it's not only the fact that we have this memory and that we live in yesterday, but the problem is sometimes even yesterday is skewed to the point that, listen, you don't know if it's true or not. The facts are all fuzzy and you'll start reminding each other of these things and it's, listen, it's worse in our home than it is anywhere else. Why is it that somebody outside our home could do us wrong and we forget about it and don't worry about it no more but let somebody in the house that actually does so much more for us than anybody outside the house ever did but yet that's the person that we want to keep an account list of. I mean, here's Sal. Oh, Lord. I'd like to have exhibit A February 2nd, 1997, Your Honor, I like to recall the time that Sal burnt my breakfast. She said the biscuits were done. They were two days past done. She let me believe that everything was okay and I got in my truck with said breakfast. Halfway down Hostler Road, I realized that I had been done wrong, that she had burnt the biscuits. That's only the first one, Your Honor. I have another. Your Honor, I'd like to call in 1998. Same month. It was a bad month for our marriage, no matter what year it was. Isn't it weird how we do that? We keep a record of wrong. But I'm glad when I read the scriptures that God doesn't do that. I imagine that one day we'll stand before God, and I don't know what that's going to look like. You know, I read through the scriptures, and, and it talks about these great days that are going to occur. By the way, does anybody else scare their mate the way Sal and I do? You know, the scripture says the two will be in the field, one will be taken, two will be asleep, and one will be taken. Sal and I both get up early. I can't tell how many times I'm like, she's gone. Oh, Lord, was I left behind? When your alarm goes off at 4.30 and your mate is gone, what? I do the same thing to her. It's like we can almost see who could outdo each other and get up the earliest to make the other think that maybe we'd done going on. I want to get a trumpet one of these days. I'm just going to blow it in the door. Right? Huff is gone. You're the one left here. Don't do that, by the way. It's not good for your marriage. Just saying it. I read the scriptures, and Jesus talks about it on that great day. It's a day of judgment. He tells it in several different kind of ways. One way he talks about, you know, that the weeds and the wheat are allowed to grow together, but one day there's going to be a harvest, and the sickle's going to come. It's going to cut it all down, and the good stuff is going to be here. And the weeds are going to be thrown into the fire. He talks about sheeps and goats. One day there'll be, a, there'll be a separation day coming where the sheep will go to his right and be with him. And the goats will be on the left. and They'll suffer eternal punishment. I don't know what that day is going to be like. I read in Revelation and Great throne judgment and all these things. And I would love to tell you that I have the timeline down, Pat. I don't. By the way, neither does anybody else. If they tell you they know exactly how it's going to go, they don't. But I do believe this. that One day I'm going to stand before God. And Satan, whose name means accuser, is going to stand there beside me. And he'll be safe. Lord, I like to call Exhibit A. Page 32, 1976. Huff was four years old and he stuck his tongue out at his mother. The Lord's going to say, I don't see it. Well, then I'd like to call into account Exhibit B 1990, the year he graduated. I'd like to talk about some of those things that he did on that time. So, Honors, honor, just pull up the whole month of July it would probably be the easiest. The Lord, we'll go to that one, and it's going to be blank, too. You see, nothing the devil brings up against me is going to stick. Why? Because he already promises he will remember it no more. My slate is clean been whitewashed by the blood of Jesus Christ. God has promised us that he will remember no more those things which we had done. So why do we live in regret carrying around yesterday every day with us? It seems that that we, we, we let the good things of yesterday lay around we pick up the bad things when it really needs to be the opposite we need to remember the blessings of yesterday and allow that to encourage us for today and tomorrow in hebrews chapter 8 verse 12 he says for i will be merciful toward their iniquities and i will remember their sins no more the writer in hebrews is quoting jeremiah But maybe maybe today you're like, Huff, it's, it's, it's not that I, I don't believe that God has forgiven me. It's just The fact is, is that after all I've done, how can God use me and, and how would anybody believe me? Or, or, or maybe, maybe you think that you were somehow disqualified from doing the work of the Lord. And you see, part of that comes by not only the deceiver trying to tell you that, because Satan and all of his demons, when they start reminding you of yesteryear, reminding you of those things that have happened, and maybe you know what, you know what, God has forgiven me of that? And they're like, Yeah, God may have forgiven you, but ain't nobody else gonna believe it. How's he gonna use you after all you listen? If we if we can get past the fact that we're forgiven, and we can get past the fact that God forgets those things, because he chooses to, by the way, it's not that God doesn't have a good memory, he's God. He chooses to let those things go because he loves you. But if we can get past that, then maybe it's the fact that sometimes we think that we're disqualified, or when God is calling us to do something great, when God, listen, I can tell you this firsthand. When God was calling me to preach, I'm like, me preach? I mean, come on. Really? Lord, ain't nobody gonna believe me. By the way, some of them still can't. They're <laughs> like, that's a big joke, been running for 14 years. That's how long I've been here. I am in mean, my 14th year, I'd be like, <laughs> when's he going to give it up? 14 years he's been carrying around his joke. But somehow we'll think we're disqualified. But part of that is because we don't understand the power of God and what He can do in our lives. Part is that we don't understand that God doesn't need our participation to do something great in your life. That maybe God was working all along. matter of fact, maybe I know that God has been working all along in my life using even those moments where I was unlovable and those moments where I I, I literally hated him the most and still yet he was working in my life to shape me into the person that I am today. I didn't have to participate in it. God is all-powerful and he's able to do that even when you say no. Isn't that amazing how God can do that? So it's not having an understanding of who God is and how much he loves us and the fact that God can use you even when you say no, even when you don't want to be used, God is all-powerful. And it's not that he, he he doesn't make us a puppet where he just pulls the strings. It's not that at all. But God can say, you know what? Huff, go ahead and make that mistake since you're dead set on it. And you know what I'll do for you, Huff? I'll use that mistake to teach you something that you're going to be able to use later in your ministry. And my mistake doesn't disqualify me at all. Instead, it makes me more valuable for the kingdom when I finally come to my right senses and say, God, I will follow you. Then all those moments before. So listen, maybe today... Maybe you've been carrying the sins around yesterday, let them go, you're forgiven. Or maybe today you're like, "You know what? My yesterday disqualifies me. I want to show you a scripture that shows that's absolutely alive from the pits of hell. It's time to let it go. You see, first, I want to call into Romans, chapter eight. Starting at verse 28, you know this scripture very well, but I want you to listen to this scripture. Don't just know what the words say, know what it means. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose... For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that we might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. For those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. God already knew in his great plan that one day that I would bow and call him Lord. So even those years before I did that, God was already working a great work in my life. So that when I got to this point... I would have a lot of tools in my toolbox that he gave me even when I didn't want to want. All things work toward good for them. God knew. God knew my life and knew what he called me to be and the purpose that he made me for. And even in those years where I was not participating in his plan, still yet God was shaping me all along, letting me make those mistakes. Letting me do those things, knowing that later on that one day I'd sit down with maybe you, or you, or you, or you. And I'd be able to look you in the eye and say, I made those same mistakes too. God was able to use me and he'll be able to use you. I think about some of the mistakes and I made in our marriage and how we've sat down with other couples and we've shared with them. Not only from the Word of God, but we share from them from our life and what God has done in the healing that God has done in our lives in spite of the things that we've done to one another. Using those bad moments where we were not following God at all, but still yet now using those for the kingdom. So don't let Satan fool you and say that you're disqualified by some of the things you've done. No, you've just been going to school of hard knocks. God can use the people that graduate from there just as he can the people who graduate from the other schools, too. When we was going to school in Blue Ridge Elementary, we used to make fun of each other about going to Pipertown University. That probably means nothing to most people in here. You just got to know where Piper Town's at. I always said I was going to be a graduate of PTU, Pipertown University. Piper Town's this little old place that they call it that, named after some people have last name Piper, but it's actually a little town called Silver Grove, by the way, it has a pipe cutting out of the mountain that water runs out year-round. If you've ever been up on a mountain and seen that pipe, you've been in Pipertown. It doesn't have a store. It used to have a store. P.J. Grove's dad used to have a little store down there. So did Junior Grove. There ain't no stores down there no more. Ain't nothing down there but a pipe that comes out of the side of the mountain that people still get water from. And I'm telling you, you can graduate from a hard place like that, and God will still use you. You don't have to go to some big Ivy League school or some college or whatever. You don't. God can use you just as you are. By the way, I've had some people say, well, why did you go to school then? Because I'm going to tell you, when I finally started standing in the pulpit and I felt the gravity of it, I knew I needed help. I knew that I needed a better understanding of God's word if I was going to do it right. And so I felt in need of going to some people that were better studied than I so that they could help me. Not that God wasn't helping me and that God wasn't doing great things. He was, but God gave me a hunger for knowledge and that's why I went. But I am gonna tell you, some of the biggest lessons I use today in helping others still comes from the hard knock school. It didn't come from the college. It came from those tough moments in my life that God saw me through yesterday. By the way, Let's take a brief look at Luke 22, starting at verse 31. Jesus is talking to Peter. He says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Think about what he's saying here when you have turned again. You know what he's saying, Peter? You're going to fall flat on your face. But my prayer is for you that your faith won't fail. That after you fall flat on your face, because you relied on yourself, pick yourself back up and dust yourself off. I still love you. And I've prayed that at that point, you will strengthen your brothers. What was he talking about? Well, he was talking about this. He says, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. And Jesus says, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you even know me. Peter's saying, all these other guys will fail, Lord, but I'll be the one. I would go to death for you. I'll die for you if necessary. I'll go to prison for you. By the way, later on, Peter would do just that. He would go to prison and he would suffer under the hand of the persecution of Nero. And Peter would be executed first faith. That would come later. But he's saying, Lord, I'm going to do all these things. These other guys, they might fail you, but I'm not going to fail you. And Jesus looked at him and said, listen, before the rooster even crows, you're going to deny that you even knew me, much less stand up for me. But isn't it interesting that Jesus would look at Peter and say, but when you've turned again, Strengthen your brothers. He's saying, Peter, I know you're going to fail. You're going to fall flat on your face. Be a big fat failure. Peter denied him three times. The last time he said that he cursed and said he didn't know. That means first off, he says, "I, I don't know who you're talking about. The second time, you was with Jesus. I don't know what you're talking about. Third time, he's like, you were with Jesus. I don't know what the blankety blank you're talking about. Insert. You get the idea. Jesus knew this about Peter, and still yet, he says, when you turn back, strengthen your brothers. So if Jesus will do this for Peter, will he not do it for you? Another thing about yesterday that sometimes trips churches up, and it doesn't really trip this church up, but sometimes I do think about the fact of uh, things not being like they were. God may be calling you into ministry that looks different than what the church used to look like, or. Or what things look like growing up. I have people now that they can't find a church like the church we grew up in. I've searched all over. I just can't find a church like the one we grew up in. I'm like, that might be a good thing. Because if that church fell apart and is down to nothing, then maybe there was something missing all along. They don't like to hear that. But if you actually go to Haggai chapter 2, I'm not going to read it, chapter 2, verse 3. God, through the prophet, the Haggai, says, so, you know, who of you were here and saw the, the temple in all of its glory, and now you say it doesn't look anything like Because when they went to go back and rebuild the temple, after being in captivity for 70 years, they go back and they start rebuilding it. It didn't go back like it went up the first time. Imagine that this place fall like a deck of cards and we sort out all the pieces and try to stand the lumber back up and Lord knows how many braces we'd have to use and everything. It wouldn't look like it does now. And there's always going to be that person stuck in yesteryear, and this doesn't look as good as it did before. No, but you know what was different about the second time they rebuilt that temple? Jesus himself would walk in it. Jesus said, yeah, but God tells through the prophet Haggai, yeah, the glory that it's going to be seen now is going to, not, it, it, nothing can compare to what's going to happen in here now. That's me paraphrasing. Read Haggai chapter 2. Read, actually, read the whole book of Haggai. It's not that long. You'll get the idea. So, how do we overcome yesterday? We do what Paul taught us to do in Philippians chapter three, verses twelve through fifteen. It says, "Not that I have already attained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Jesus Christ, because Christ Jesus has made me His own, brothers. I do not consider I've made it my own, but this one thing I do: forgetting what lies behind, and straining forward." to what lies ahead, I press toward the mark of the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Think about what he just said. He said, you know what? I forget what lies behind and I strive for what lies ahead. He says, for you that are mature, think this way. You know what what that means? Allowing yesterday to discourage you, allowing yesterday to stop you cold in your tracks, allowing what happened to you yesterday, and allowing Satan to deceive you into thinking that that somehow disqualifies you for being whatever God has called you to be today. That's an immature way of thinking. How do we get past yesterday? Let it go. Let it go. Whatever lessons you you learned from yesterday, carry that with you. And start moving forward. It's going to look different. It's going to be different. That's what I had to learn as a pastor. This church is much different than what I grew up in. By the way, I even got bashed for tearing the stage up, by the way. I thought that was kind of funny. I got blasted pretty good on social media for this. I kind of like it. Don't you? So, we even had a bunch of strong guys get the piano up here. By the way, I find it very encouraging. That Brother Russ likes it too. I like what you are done with the place. God's moving. God never designed this place to stay the same. God designed it to grow with him. Amen. I'm thankful for strong men like that in my life. That will encourage me. And say, Huff, you know what? It was never about the building is about what God wanted to do and you just keep allowing God to move and you keep those people moving forward. It'll be all right. I'm thankful for that. So then that brings us to the next day that's really important. And that's tomorrow. I know what you're thinking. What are we going to get to today? We'll get to today in just a minute. But What about tomorrow? Tomorrow is also a problem, isn't it? How many of you have, listened? be honest. How many of you have already thought about tomorrow? How many of you already thought about next week? Do you hear us calling for snow on Sunday next week? Right? Everybody already knew that. Chris over here, like he already better make sure you shovel that driveway, otherwise you'll get the other hip fixed. He won't be able to go in circles no more. He'll be forward and reverse only. By the way, I hope that his new hip works like I hope they grease it up real good to the point that it works faster. And so every time he takes a step with his left, one a he goes right, and then all of a sudden his right leg got to catch up. That'd be funny. Anyway. We've already thought about tomorrow. How many worried about tomorrow? Be honest. How many's got something coming up this week that you're worried about? Right, as if yesterday isn't enough to drag around. Then we got to drag yesterday into the scary part of tomorrow. Did you get the text I sent out yesterday? Dr. Tony Evans says that we're, we're being crucified between two thieves. Yesterday and tomorrow. Yesterday is full of regret that is robbing us from joy, and tomorrow is full of uncertainty that is robbing us from our joy. That God has for us that we should have today. And so here we are dragging yesterday along, trying to get into tomorrow. But we're already listening. By the way, you're, you're 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 past tomorrow. You guys are worried three tomorrows in advance. We're already worried. Listen, Sal and I plan on going away next weekend after church. We're leaving after church next Sunday. And she's like, Do you realize it's conference now? Like, I'm already supposed to get the chains on the truck. Right, I'm already getting changed, getting snowed on, getting all of the stuff packed up. And I, got, I, got to be, I think we're going to have a blizzard. I think it's calling for like 40 inches of snow. And certainly if the weatherman says it's going to happen, it's surely going to happen. <laughs> right? Oh, oh. I feel like Don Rickles. You ever watch Don Rickles? Don Rickles. I mean, if the weatherman says this, what's going to happen? <laughs> Said nobody ever. It's the only job you could be wrong 99% of the time and keep your job. Just stand in front of a green screen. It's going to have some weather over here. Weather's going to happen over here. Not sure what it's going to be, but weather's happening. It's calling for a precip- I think it's going to rain. But here it's like, what are we going to do if it snows? I don't know what we're going to do if it snows. We're going to shuffle. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> Where are we going to go on a trip? we not going to go on a trip. I don't know. Are we going on a trip? Yes, we're going. To, even if it snows, yes, we're going on a trip. What if it snows real deep, then we're not going. So we're not going? Yes. <laughs> so now she doesn't know if we're going not going. We don't know. But we'll think about it all week. We'll be standing in line like all the other little soldiers. Snow shovel, chains, salt. Check, check, check. We'll put them in the camper and never use them. How many has ever bought something because you're scared something happened and never used it? See, still in the package. eBay is full of it. Marketplace on Facebook, I ain't used this in three years. I know some guys that bought some big old generators in year 2000, remember that? The world's going to come to an end. The computers don't know what to do. They didn't program a 2000, and it's going to get stuck on 1999, 99, 99. It ain't going to know what to do. Oh, everything's going to fall apart. The world's going to stop. Electricity's going to come. We're going to run out of food. Nothing happened. Do you remember watching TV? What's going to be New Year's in China first. We'll watch China. We'll see what China's doing. Oh, China. Nothing happened. Well, what about when it gets to Europe? Certainly, something's going to happen in Europe. Nothing happened. Finally, I went to bed. I guess we're going to live. My computer even worked the next day. Did you get that? It turned on and everything. I had a gateway. Y'all remember that? Gateway computers. Turned it on. Got on AOL. Y'all remember that? Email was faster by two minutes. You can mail something with a stamp and you could hit an email on AOL. and Well, pray for the best. Did you get the email sent you? No, but I got a letter in the mail. We just worry, 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 worry. Didn't you see in the opening text in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34 it says, Do not be anxious about tomorrow because tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You know what that means? You're going to have enough junk slap you around tomorrow. Quit worrying about it because we can't even get through today without worrying about what tomorrow's going to do. By the way, God taught us some beautiful lessons about not worrying about tomorrow. And I think sometimes we don't read these old stories enough. But you remember the story of being in the wilderness? Children of Israel wandering around. Hey, check this out, Sal. She uses fabric softener. Must have come out of my britches. <laughs> Sounds like a summer day. It came out of your shirt. my shirt. Sal does wash my clothes. Thank you, babe. It was better than a bee. My mom used to hang clothes out on the line. Y'all remember that, hanging out on the line? The clothes line? We just called it the line. Go hang your clothes out on the line. I said, Mom, where are my pants? Out on the line. Y'all remember growing up, you only had three pairs of jeans. And one of them, you had to, you better not get them dirty. It was church jeans. Now listen, we didn't have enough pants for every day of the week. But I remember my play jeans was out there on the line, and I wanted to go play because I would not wear my church jeans. Uh-uh. I went out there to get him clothes off line. I may or may not have been in my under roof. I ran out. We lived in the woods, by the way. Couldn't nobody see none. I ran out to the line, grabbed in jeans. He was going to jump in my jeans. I did. I started that hornet real bad. And he got the sting of me on my leg, and I'm trying to get my pants back off now. Laying. I'm down on the ground at this point, rolling around. My mother out there, get up off that ground. I'm like a bee, but I'm a bee. I said, "Get off the ground!" Didn't man? She was heartless sometimes. <laughs> bee got me. I don't know. It was like eight times, right on the thigh. Bee stung me. He didn't stop. It was awful. I'll take this any day. That'd be on video too. Did you get that, Randy? That's... Anyway, I'll worry about that tomorrow. Tomorrow will be yesterday, and I'll remember this. And Sal will, Do you you see the, see the look she give me? Y'all, I can't preach like that. Stop looking at me. She's like, I can't believe. So let me tell you about this story of God in the wilderness. I can't believe I just saw it land there. I thought it was my handkerchief. I, saw, I didn't know where it would come from. But I love the story of Israel in the wilderness. Because remember, they're marching around. They have no way to get food. And what did God do? He fed them manna from heaven. I like Dr. Tony Evans said, and God fed them cornflakes from heaven. Cornflakes. I hope, sure hope he got some sugar to go along with him, thanks. Now, frosted flakes out of heaven, boy. <laughs> cornflakes, I can handle it, though. He fed a man out of heavens. So what did he do? You see, God taught us something about provisions in the wilderness, because He said, "What? Only pick up what you could eat today." The only time they were allowed to pick up extra was the day before the Sabbath, because there was no gathering on the Sabbath. But there was always this few that tried to hoard and get some extra because they didn't trust God, and what happened? They would rot overnight. Why? Because God was teaching them something. I'll take you through the wilderness and I will feed you every day, but you're going to trust me. I'm going to teach you to trust me for your daily provisions. I'm going to teach you to quit worrying about tomorrow. Because when tomorrow gets here, there'll be enough again for you that day. And so God told us this beautiful story with the Israelites in the wilderness of God's ability to provide for our needs to the point that we don't have to worry about tomorrow. Is it going to snow Sunday? I don't know. If it does, I'll be okay, and if it don't, I'll be okay. Because God will take care of Sunday when it gets here. I can trust Him for that. I can trust Him that He'll give us the knowledge and the ability to make a good decision when Sunday gets here, if need be. We can trust Him for that. And so this beautiful picture of God's teaching His children to quit worrying about tomorrow. Quit carrying yesterday with you. The only thing from yesterday worth carrying are the blessings and the memories of those because God does tell us to remember those things carry those blessings and those beautiful memories. We carry those as an encouragement into today and we'll carry them into tomorrow. But all that regret, all that worry, let that go. But don't let that go just to worry about tomorrow. You see, sometimes you're like, okay, I can get rid of yesterday. I can let go of yesterday, but there's this tomorrow coming huh? I know. We need to quit living with regret and quit living with worry about tomorrow, because it's not going to do us any good. And by the way, if nature trusts God for provision, shouldn't we, who are made in His image, with the ability to reason and to remember? Should we not more yet rely on Him and know that He is trustworthy? When the disciples come to Jesus and said, "Lord, teach us how to pray." You remember that story? Lord, teach us how to pray. First off, it shows how deep the subject of prayer is. Well, think about it: the, the subject of prayer. We could study on prayer all day long, and still just not even break open the subject. But His disciples, like, teach us how to teach us how to talk to the heavenly Father. And so we, from that, we get the Lord's prayer right: "Our Father." It's recognizing who He is. Who art in heaven recognizes where he lives. How would be thy name? Recognizes his holiness. You are a heavenly Father. You are our Creator who lives in the heavens, who is holy. Just that start off line of that prayer is so wonderful. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know what that's saying, Lord? We want your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, which means, God, I want to live your will here on earth. I choose your path for me. And as far as it depends on me, I want your will to be done here on earth just like it is in heaven where everything is done according to your will. And then he says this, give us this day our what? Daily bread. Well, first off, it shows that we trust God for the provisions, but it also trusts that prayer to God and trust in him ought to be a daily thing. Not just a few times a week. Because if I pray to him that I give us this day our daily bread, provide me with what I need for today. and You know what I'm going to do tomorrow? I'm going to get up and I'm going to do the same thing. Lord, provide me what I need for today. And then tomorrow again, I'm going to get up. Lord, provide me what I need for today. You kind of get the idea? God taught us through the lives of the Israelites and also through the prayer of Jesus Himself that we can trust God. By the way, Dr. Tony Evans says this it's okay to plan for tomorrow, but it's not okay to get unraveled about it. We know that in the Proverbs, it talks about how the ant. You know, how, how the ant worked and, and planned, if you will, versus the sluggard. It's okay to plan and to make provisions. I love Proverbs 31 when it, it talks about this beautiful picture of a wife. And you look down through there, it shows that, that she makes plans for her family to make sure that they have what they need. It doesn't mean that you don't plan, but we still trust God for the provision. Because we can only do so much. God expects us to act wisely. It's okay to plan. But we must trust God's plan most. We can plan, but when things change, we got to trust God for it. Because we have zero control over tomorrow. That's what verse 27 says, In which by you being anxious can add a single hour to the span of life? Proverbs 27, 1 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. It isn't our will that matters, it's God's will. So how do we deal with tomorrow? Matthew 6 gives us that. He says what? He says to trust God, to to seek His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So how, how do we deal with tomorrow? We trust God. We seek his righteousness and let him take care of the rest. Which brings us to today. You see in Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 through 15, it tells us something about today since i can't relive tomorrow and i need to let go of regret for tomorrow and since i don't know what tomorrow i mean regret of yesterday and since i don't know what tomorrow is going to bring i'm stuck with the only thing that i can do anything about and that is today that's the only thing that i I have the only thing i could bank on is right now in hebrews chapter 3 verse 7 to 15 it says therefore as the holy spirit says today If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked by the generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not yet known my ways as I swore in my wrath. They shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by your deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ. And if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end, as it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. So listen, you can't do nothing about tomorrow. and You can't do nothing about yesterday. But what about today? What about today? You see, if you don't know Jesus Christ today, tomorrow may never come. Have we not learned this this year? We've buried some of our own. We've got our church family members that are not here today because they're going to bury some of their family. regret of yesteryear yesterday it's gone there's nothing you could do about yesterday and you're not guaranteed tomorrow matter of fact in james james said this come now who you say to, today or tomorrow we will go into such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring what is your life For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow's not promised. If you're waiting till tomorrow to do something... You may never get there. What about today? If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, don't let today be a yesterday that you regret for an eternity. Do you hear me? Don't let today be a yesterday that you regret for an eternity. Because I'm telling you right now, if you leave this walk of life, if you leave here today unprepared, and God calls you out of this world, I, I cannot pull an exact scripture to substantiate what I'm getting ready to say, but I believe it to be true. You'll remember my words. You'll remember every invitation that the Holy Spirit ever gave you to come into a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And for an eternity forever and ever not only will you live in torment where the Bible says the fire is not quenched and the worm dieth not not only will you live eternity in torment but you'll live in a torment of knowing now there will never be hope of another invitation your invitation has come and gone there'll never be hope of another invitation you will remember this opportunity that you had for an eternity. Yesterday is over. Tomorrow is not promised. Today and this moment is all you have. That's it. There's a theme that we've been talking about. Are you ready? We learned this lesson the hard way this year. So my question to you is, are you ready today? Not tomorrow. What you did before don't count. Today. Do you know Him? I'm not asking you if you've walked in and out of this building every Sunday for a long period of time. I'm asking you, have you surrendered 100% to Jesus Christ? Maybe if you're here and you do know him, have you surrendered to your calling in Jesus Christ? I found this interesting verse in Proverbs. It says this Do not withhold good from those whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Don't say to your neighbor, Go and come again, and tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. Isn't that interesting? I just, I, I know that verse seems so simple, but to me it's so profound. And so profound because God has given you an invitation to come. He's not saying come back tomorrow or I'll hold this invitation off until another time. He's saying now. And not only that, God is calling us who say that we know him, us who say that we follow him. He's calling us to do this same thing, to not withhold but to do good now. You see, I hear a lot of excuses about people who would love to do things. I would love to help, and you know what, when I get past this or when I get past that, as if everybody else who is doing something somehow had the extra time or somehow had the extra money. That's not how this works. So maybe you're here and you profess to know Christ, but you're waiting until tomorrow to do something for him. You're waiting tomorrow to do good to someone when you have the power to do it now. Oh, you may have to sacrifice a little. You may have to tell some other people no. You may have to make one less stop at Starbucks. You may have to take one less lunch at McDonald's. I don't know what the case is. I know what you're thinking. Huff, this church gives and gives. I know there are some of you that give and give, but there still some of you that's being left out from your own decisions. Because I want to end, I want to end with what's written in your Bible. If you look up this passage, it's found in Matthew chapter 25, starting at verse 31. I want to read, and these will be the last words I say. I'm going to read the words of Jesus and they'll stand stand on their own merit. There's nothing I can do to add to it anyway. All I would do is hurt it, if that's even possible. I don't think it is. But I'm just going to leave you with the words of Jesus and put it on to you. You see, in Matthew 25, right above the verse 31, there's three words that's a heading in your Bible, most likely. It says what? The final judgment. The final judgment. And starting at verse 31, and I'll read it to you, and then I'll ask you to bow your heads, and we'll give an invitation. It says this, When the Son of Man comes in His glory... Then they will all answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And then he will answer them, saying, Truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but for the righteous, into eternal life. You see, Jesus did not call us into a life to be comfortable. While you cannot earn heaven, it is expected of those who follow Christ to love others. And I said I wasn't going to say nothing, but let me say this. I was challenged by a message from Francis Chan that said this. If all you read was the Bible, in other words, if you wasn't raised in church, never been in church, never experienced church, if all you did was read the text and then walk into our church, would it look like what you read? Because when we read the early church, we see a church that loved one another. We see a church that didn't separate themselves into cliques or little groups. We see a church that absolutely loved, took care of the needy. Those that had more than what they could use gave it to those who had none. Even to the point that some went and sold land and houses. Because how can I have all this extra? And when somebody else has nothing, how can I not be so moved by the love of Christ, seeing what he did for me on the cross? We see a church that is dedicated to the point they were willing to risk their lives. And John said it best, how do we know the love of Christ is in us? When we lay our life down for another. Yesterday's gone, tomorrow may never get here. It's today that matters. You may have plans on doing something tomorrow. Tomorrow I will get busy working for Jesus. That's great. But what if tomorrow doesn't get here and you have to face this judgment that I just read about? Where will you stand? You see, Paul made sure the Jews knew that he was saved by grace alone. Not by works, lest any man should boast is what he said. Because he was talking to Jews who thought that their works brought righteousness. But it is James that said this, I'll show you my faith by my works. Because there is an assumption that if you're following Christ, you will do the work of Christ. Which is be a servant to others. You don't have no day but today. That's all you got. Today. Don't bank on tomorrow because you're borrowing on something that you'll become a slave to. I don't care what happened yesterday. How about today? If you're here and Christ is speaking to your heart and he's calling you into a relationship, today. I love an old song that Ricky Skaggs used to sing, call on him while he is near. Moments are quick passing by. Soon he's coming like a thief in the night. Are you afraid to die? Would you stay?